Folks, this is the second hour of Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. Double N, he is working his magic on the phones because everything is going right for us this evening. As I said, it is plus two, plus two here in Moscow. It's positively balmy. You could get out your pina coladas. You can even have a hot, I don't know, hot apple vine, or you can have a, I don't know, alcohol-free glint vine or glue vine, as they call it in Germany, or a sangria, whatever you want. It's, it's, it's that kind of weather. It's not hot, not cold. It's perfect. Listen, quick rundown from Northmere before we go to the beautiful Alex B. Um, Cleveland, our beautiful Cleveland, they were leading, our wonderful Cleveland, they were leading 7-6 against Cincinnati. That is the Ohio Derby. Um, but they're now behind 13-7. However, they are third in goal on the Cincinnati 7, so they could come away, just in the second quarter only, so they come away with a field goal or they could even get a touchdown. So who knows? Okay, Washington, Alex, <laughs> Alexander Zotto's favourite team. They're down, losing to the Green Bay Packers, the Cheeseheads, 14-0. That's in the second period as well. Atlanta Falcons, one of the teams that everyone's kind of picking them to do well this season. They are leading 10-3 against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, all these games, of course, in the second period only. And um, Buffalo, 
beautiful Buffalo. They are, um, no, not everything's beautiful, it just rhymes. Um, Buffalo, they are losing 10-3 at home against Baltimore, but they are 4-15 on the Baltimore 18, so they should kick a field goal now, and they'll be only trading by four going towards halftime. Detroit, those terrible, terrible lines, they are losing 7-0 against Minnesota, in Minnesota. And Denver, who have been awful this season, the team that, they are my team, they are awful, but they are winning 21-3 against uh, Houston, the Texans. And also, San Francisco are losing 27-14 in New Orleans against the Saints. So, uh, any more? Yes, Miami are trailing 9-3 against New York Jets, uh, or 9-6, excuse me. Indianapolis Colts have the ball. They're on the Tampa Bay 20-yard line. It is third and 10, second period as well, but they're trailing 14-10. Now, one of the franchises, because they're not clubs in America or Canada, franchises, uh, the storied franchises in basketball, of course, are the New York Knicks. Everyone knows about them because, like, I think, um, not Ice-T, what you call them, Spike Lee, sorry, yeah, one of those guys, um, was kind of like, going along and like wearing the New York Knicks and sitting down on the court and so on and so forth. Um, however, the New York Knicks fired their coach because this season they have been worse than all, worse than usual, that's for sure. Um, worse than the Raptors, worse than the Celtics. And we're going to ask Alex B, oh. what, I can hear you say, oh my God, in the background. I'm sorry. It's just like, because the Raptors haven't been always good, Alex. So let's be honest. They're, they're a decent team. But, um, yeah, cool. so basically the Knicks kick. Don't compare them to the Knicks or the Celtics. Come on. Okay. Okay. Well, they're, they're slightly better than the Celtics for now. For now. Um, but listen, the Knicks have fired their coach. What the hell is going on in yeah. Nickland? Um, well, so last year they pulled the, some of the worst decisions in the, maybe in their history because they traded away their star Christoph Porzingis so they could get better draft picks and they didn't get, end up getting those draft picks that they wanted. So right now they're off to a 4-19 start to the season, so that's four wins and 19 losses. Yep. And they finally decided that they needed to... To, to change up. Yeah. By all means, the... Yeah, yeah. But something needs to be changed, and probably this is a good place to start. So now they have, um, they don't really have somebody uh, running, like, as a runner-up. So right now there's, like, it's open. Like, there's um, Meta World Peace who played for the Lakers. He wants to coach for the Knicks. Um, there's a bunch of people that just, like, want to coach for the Knicks. They can't really find a better solution. They actually want to... Um, they're looking at Masai Ujiri of the Toronto Raptors, who's the general manager, to come and step in as the uh, next general manager. And that's kind of been the big thing here in Toronto. Nobody wants him to leave. Of course. I mean, because he, he's been doing so well in terms of, like, you know, um, training players and also for picking as well. So, I mean, he's like, I mean, right. what people don't understand is uh, in North America, the coach is basically just giving a bunch of players and he'll say I want this guy or this guy or I'd like we need to strengthen up like our center or our point guard but the general manager is the person who really you know pulls all the strings so you know, right. um, so I mean it, it, it's yeah. huge I mean look at like looking at the, the, the Knicks I mean they, they were just on a, on a terrible I think it was like a nine a nine game losing streak before the coaches fired I mean surely though it's not just like a general manager won't turn it around in one season though. so they're looking to to be, you know, trying to go for the number one pick next season, or how does that work actually in terms of the NBA draft? Uh, 
So the way it works is that essentially the worse your team is, the higher chance you get of getting the number one pick in the draft. So that's what what essentially what Philadelphia did was they for three years they tanked, which is like they pretended to be worse than they actually are, so they could get better picks, and that's how they became like right now they're a contender. And so the Knicks, uh, they tried to do that last year, but it ended up and yeah. So uh, right now they're just rebuilding their team. And okay, starting with the head coach. Well, look, because that's that, that's the one thing we were talking about tanking, right? Not something like that in in football. Like we we see here in Russia, for example, you know, Spartak might be awful. They lost yeah. again today, but it's not that they're trying to deliberately lose, or maybe they are. We don't know. Right. Um, but I mean, in 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 Europe, if you start losing games. You know, putting up weak teams and kind of like bringing in just kind of like temporary journeyman players, like you know, those guys who come in for a season and go again, um, or even just right. putting in loads of young players just to give them experience. Um, <clears throat> there is a benefit in the draft, but surely though, at one point the Knicks have to try and turn that around because they they are one of the most story teams <laughs> in basketball. I mean, th- th- this can't go on much longer, can it? Uh, no, uh, but they've historically kind of been not the best team in the NBA, so... Yeah, I mean, it's what is... Definitely the the entire NBA fan base is just rooting for the Knicks at this point because they've just been so bad, like, leading up to this point, too. Well, I mean, it's it's 46 years since their last NBA championship. It's 20 years since their last conference. That's like your East or West, well, obviously East title. Um, Six years since they last won a divisional title, and before that, the last one before that was in 1994. I mean, that's... that that For a, a team that plays in Madison Square Garden, with this, like, you know, with this aura, like, with great players, like, like Patrick Ewing. I mean, we all knew Patrick Ewing. We knew Pat Riley, the coach. There were some amazing players. Um, but, I mean, I say it, Thomas is there as well, well, there for a while. But, I mean, this is just... This is, like, pathetic. Maybe you just need to shut down and move, maybe, to Montreal. No, but uh, why no? Why no? Why not move up to Montreal? That'd be good. Like, um, <clears throat> like some nice, easy road games for for uh, for you I guys. Don't know, I don't know if they're equipped to. I don't know if they're equipped for basketball, and plus, uh, just those players having to take that train ride amongst all these Canadians fans would be horrible. For them. <laughs> 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 well, listen. After what happened to you uh, last no, week, but, was, yeah. Uh, but the bigger thing about the Knicks is that they're uh, they're kind of the biggest team in New York. After them, it's the Brooklyn Nets, who have always historically been bad as well. Yeah. But like as of right now, and, and since like the past couple of years, the Brooklyn is Brooklyn is the best New York team, and by a long shot. So that's probably the biggest Knicks like uh, fear, I'd say, is being worse than the Nets, which they have been for the past three years. I mean, if if you look at the Nets, I mean, we we like we, I mean, they they've been more famous, more for like who was owning them and who was behind them and so on and so forth. Um, but again, they've sure. you know they they haven't won anything against. I think they won the ABA, which was the kind of the rival to the NBA back again in nineteen seventy six. Um, they haven't won a, a, a. I think they've won the last conference was in two thousand three, uh, and the last division title was in two thousand six. So I mean. I mean, it must it must really, really be terrible for the Knicks to be worse than the Nets. Oh, it is, for sure. And plus, there is a lot more Knicks fans in New York, obviously. So, 
like at this point, like the arenas are half full and stuff like that just happening regularly because they know that nothing's going to happen. That is terrible. That's terrible. Well, listen, t- tell us, okay, overall, I mean, I'm looking at the, the, the standings here in front of me. Um, I'm really surprised with Milwaukee. Milwaukee books are top of your conference. Uh, that's true. But Milwaukee, they've been... Uh, t- they've been which? Right now, they're just yeah. picking up where they started. Uh, they have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who now is learn how to shoot so that now he's just like a lethal player in the nba might be even like he might be the number one player in the nba when it comes to uh just like statistically just improving his team so i'm not too surprised about that the celtics and the heat are the two big like the celtics have been very good this season even better than they were last year even though they didn't have as much uh stars in their team then the heat are just having a very good season, like way better than anybody could have expected. But I think Milwaukee is just a step above like all these other teams. Uh, the 76ers are underachieving hard this year, and but they do have the star potential to maybe beat Milwaukee. But in the West, that's where like the real uh, problems arise because there's the Lakers who are just... They're destroying people. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic just looking amazing this year. He's like, uh, he's put up better uh, stats than LeBron. He beat the Lakers. Uh, the Nuggets and the Clippers, who are, again, slightly underachieving, they could be much better. But overall, I don't see anybody in the West being able to beat Lakers uh, four times in seven games. Now, Doncic, so if I... I think my... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I said uh, Doncic. He is the Slovenian player. He's only, he's what, right. nineteen, twenty right. years old. Oh no! Yeah, it's crazy because he played. Um, he played in the Euroleague for Real Madrid uh, for the beginning of his career. So, when he was sixteen years old, he played again when the NBA was doing like the World Tour, like what they did in China. They did for the Euroleague, and he was sixteen playing against NBA teams. Christ. I mean, they have a bit, <clears throat> like, and like, they, it was just amazing. They have, like, Dallas have always gone very, you know, European, like, with links with, you know, we know, right, like, right. German players and so on. They have also the, the, the Latvian standout. Well, for me, he, well, I don't know how he's playing this season, but he's a big lad. Uh, Porzingis, Kristaps. Um, I mean, Porzingis, he's. right. This ties into the Knicks thing because the Knicks uh, had Porzingis as their star player and they traded him away for just essentially just like a worse players so they could get a better pick. So now they have Porzingis and Doncic on the same team. Right. And I mean, I, I, I mean, looking, looking through the, 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 the roster of the Dallas Mavericks, I mean, they, they have some very, very promising, very, very talented players all the way through it. So you, you reckon that, um, okay, uh, you, you reckon that <laughs> they will be the team who will put it up to the Lakers in, in the West this season? Um, yeah, <coughs> Yes, and Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and just a great bench that they have assembled. They have six man of the year, Lou Williams, like all those guys, and they have Doc Rivers, who's also a very good coach. So, I think the Clippers might get their stuff together. Same thing with the Rockets. The Rockets have great superstar potential, but right now the Mavericks are playing very well. Um, yes, and before before we go away, I do want to ask you about. Um the uh the, the Raptors, your Raptors. 
You've got quite a few injuries there as well. I mean, Johnson, Lowry, McCaw and Thomas are all out injured. Um, do you think that's when they come back that this is going to give a bit of a, a, a kick on for the, you know, when they're back and, and sort of fit, that's going to help? Um, well, the first thing is when all these players were injured, it didn't really seem to stop the Raptors at all. Uh, guys like Fred Van Vliet and Pesky got so much like time to have the ball in their hands that they just like... They played very well. They would play like for like 30 points a game and stuff like that. So when Kyle Lowry actually came back this week and the Raptors lost both of those games with Kyle Lowry on them, even though he's like the star of the Raptors. So I think right now it doesn't really... I think there's a new uh, superstar duo in town, which is Pascal Siakman for the Lee. Okay. So Siakman, we, we, we see him as like you know, big, big, tall forward as well. So he's uh, right, right. he he, he yeah. is a talent. Listen, before we go away, we've got uh, just a, another minute before we go to break. Um, that get, that fight last night, just how out of shape did uh, Ruiz look? Uh, Ruiz looked pretty out of shape, yeah. But I think it also Josh would took this fight much more seriously than he did the first time. Ruiz did kind of the opposite of that. Which is not a good thing. Yeah, exactly. We're like, uh, basically, so, he he said after the fight yeah. that he kind of went off on a kind of a a binge and sort of partied and enjoyed himself. Even still, even as bad right. as he was, when he landed, when he actually got inside, he was still dangerous. But he was he was kept at bay by a very very good display from Joshua. So hopefully, well, we don't know if it's going to be part three because they're looking uh, that there's two mandatory challengers no. coming for him. So number three. I don't know. It, it, that one was a dip, whatever, getting down on the dunes. Who knows? It might be like kind of yeah. putting it on ice up in Quebec City. Who knows? Uh, listen, <laughs> Alex, listen, you have a great, a great week ahead and we'll talk to you next Sunday. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Alex B. Okay, that was the wonderful Alex B. Again, that, again, that, that NBA is just... That, there's so much going on there that we, we don't really cover that much but now Alex is, he's got his hands around it and he's going to strangle life out of it for us ok we'll wait for the break with uh, a song I know Alex is, he's going to be listening to this song because he loves it he's a big big fan of this group um, because everybody enjoys this song of course what I'm talking about is everybody by the Backstreet Boys back at the break with Isol Cody Capital Sports with Alan Moore everybody Rock your body, yeah. Everybody, yeah. Rock your body, right? Back streets, back, all right. Hey, now. Oh, my God, we're back again. Brothers, sisters, everybody sing. Gonna bring the flame, I'll show you how Got a question for you, better answer now
gonna tell the world, make it understand. As long as there'll be music, we'll be coming back Мир снова в опасности, и спасти его смогут только лучшие. Они объединятся ради великой цели и нанесут мощный удар. В главных ролях Бост Мэллоун, Элджей, Дуалипа, Гаязовс Бразерс, Маруф, Билли Айлиш, Кани Вест и другие. Включай ТНТ Мьюзик. Здесь твоя музыка. ООО ТНТ Музыкальный. Свидетельство о регистрации СМИ FS 776-54-56 от 18 апреля 2016 года. Для лиц старше 16 лет. With Alan Moore. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, just, just again, to we're going to catch up again on some of the scores in the NFL right now because, of course, there's a lot of action going on right now in North America, and a lot of it's quite good. As we said, uh, Cleveland they actually got that touchdown after all. Now uh, it is now 14-13, but uh, Cincinnati are looking to kick an extra point. Washington are fighting back. They are now 14-6 down, so well done them. Um, it's still 24-3 between Denver and Houston. Carolina are still trailing 10-3. Baltimore are 10-3 up against Buffalo. Right, we're going to go on to the line in just a moment to Isol Cody. However, um, just again, like I said in the intro to the show, the most storied sports title, the best sports title, the one that, I mean... Think of like legendary sports people. You could name Muhammad Ali. You could name Pele, of course. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. So you got the World Cup football and the World Heavyweight Boxing title. So you got, you know, for me straight away Muhammad Ali, and I can go all the way back then to Jack Dempsey and so on and so forth. And there's all these great movies, and it's this amazing, I don't know, vibe around it. And then you've got a guy who kind of shocked the world, shocked himself as well in some ways, by winning the world title away from Anthony Joshua, sort of the, the muscles upon muscles um, from, from, from England, and then basically let himself go a wee bit, put on seven kilos in the, in the last few months, walked back into the ring, out in Saudi Arabia, lots of questions around that as well. Why is this kind of like sports washing and so on and so forth? Um, out in Saudi, when there's so many questions to be asked about the country, I... Personally, in many ways, I can't because, again, I worked there for two years. So I can say, OK, I worked there, so I'm a hypocrite in that sense. However, looking at what went on, I mean, there's been, you know, Formula One going there. And there's like, when I was living there, Juventus went out and played a game there. So, I mean, there's always questions to be asked around why go to a regime like Saudi Arabia and so on and so forth. But, you know, sport is sport. Um, now, the fight last night between Anthony Joshua and uh, Andy Ruiz Jr., um, it lived up when we saw the weigh-in we saw that 
Ruiz was fairly overweight, um, looking in worse shape than he did when he won the title. And Joshua had slimmed down, had like lost the muscle that he had. And as I said in the intro, he looked more like a British cyclist. That he, and, and, and immediately, I remember I told people, bet on Joshua. And I actually put a bet on myself as well for Joshua to win because it just looked obvious that he was going to run, hit and hide. The right thing to do against someone who could really, you know, knock six bells out of you. Um, Isil Cody, did you expect that the fight would be that easy for Anthony Joshua? Or do you think that it would be a little bit more difficult and that he might run out of steam after seven, eight, nine rounds? Um, well, I think if we looked at, let's say, around the eighth round, you could see that Ruiz was still in actual danger if he had connected, because irrespective of his lack of any fitness, there was a man who expended no energy in the rounds. So had he connected, I think he was going to be a danger. To a lot of people, they will look at it and go, this was an overweight guy who turned up, clearly having not trained as he admitted in his in the press conference afterwards, yeah. Fight press conference. Yeah. But there was also there was well there was also a sense that AJ he boxed cleverly and I think that is a huge credit to his team because he came from a position where he had lost his titles, he had been ridiculed quite openly and by a lot of people that look, we've seen that AJ has no talent, AJ wasn't able to handle Ruiz who, you know, came in at short notice, whereas the reality was AJ prepared for one fight. He ended up fighting Ruiz and probably didn't focus on him. And I think the psychological damage that could have been done to AJ from the first fight could have made last night a much bigger event. But in reality, the person who suffered in the interim was Ruiz, who clearly everything that comes with sudden wealth across the board, not just in sports, and everything that comes with new levels of celebrity affected him. And it's disappointing that people are so critiquing of the very clever yeah. fight not everything needs to be a slugfest you know well listen I, I agree with you completely I mean one of the things I learned like going through boxing was my coach turned around to me and said you don't have to take a punch to give a punch he said you, know, you don't have to put your face there in front of someone else's gloves and he said use because when I was boxing I was boxing of course at flyweight so I had more height than the rest of the guys and he said just mm -hmm. hit and move don't get stuck and only as I got older, I started to realize, yeah, that's actually, I can do that. You can still slug it out, but you can still kind of, you know, pull yourself back. And that's, I, I thought Anthony Joshua, from what I saw in the first, I lost the, the defeat after three rounds, but those first three rounds were exactly as I would have told my fighter to go out. Don't get involved. Don't slug with this guy, because if he does, he is going to knock you out. Because no matter what, um, you can't put muscles on your jaw. Exactly. Um, I think the other thing that the point you made there, I suppose, is this. Yeah. First fight, one of the pivotal moments was seeing AJ going back to the corner after the third round and again after the fourth and having to ask what he was to do next. And I think a lot of people suddenly went, this is a guy who at the time now he had obviously taken blows, but he didn't know the next step. Whereas last night, the communication between him and Rob McCracken in the corner it was reassuring to watch Rob McCracken was giving directions, yes, but AJ wasn't questioning back. He was just, there was a game plan. And I think the other big victor last night, other than British boxing, I can come on to that in a second, but <laughs> is Rob McCracken because of the criticism he endured. And I think Rob has done a lot for British boxing, full stop, amateur and with AJ. He said in an interview himself, he never wanted AJ to go professional as quickly as he did. 
And I think it's very, it's good for him to see that the first fight, yes, things went... Went bad? Rush to blame a corner uh-huh. ahead of <clears throat> what actually happened, which was a, a fighter who clearly wasn't focused the first time round. Well, I, I, again, like when that changes short notice, I mean, it, it's happened so many times. I mean, I, I, we can go through history of guys who come at the last moment who pull off a massive shock. I, I, even just like back, like say, 20 mm. odd years, when I'm thinking of, um, there was a guy called Tyrone Booz, who basically almost lived up to the name. And he came in against, uh, um, and, uh, not Pat Barrett, I just blank my name right now. Oh, Derek Angle, like a really superbly fit British boxer. And Booz basically shocked, like Angle was boxing him perfectly. And Booz knew that he wasn't in the best of shape, that he was coming in. And he just basically caught him, caught him at one punch. And that was it. It just finished it. Mm. And Angle being an absolute in perfect condition just couldn't you know then give it back so yeah you're right I mean he he, he lost it the first time around and Ruiz you know Ruiz obviously you know he partied he sort of enjoyed himself um, and I think I, I was actually I know people criticise him saying oh it's an excuse but no he's very honest I mean you know he he, he could have done the sort of the like so many other things I got, I got injured or this that and the other but he like he just said I beat him the first time Second time I lost, and I want to go again. But the question, Isolde, will they go again? Because it looks like there's two mandatory no. contenders now for Joshua. So there's no chance for Randy Ruiz to go back no. again. No. I, I don't think there is. And I think as well, while I commend his honesty afterwards, and I think anyone who listened to any of the interviews with members of his team, I, I exclude his trainer, Manny Roblish, from that. But if his father has, di- has done a lot of interviews in the last week. And when he was speaking, they're all talking about the difference winning made to Ruiz's life. And there was no focus on training, etc. And I think in the wake of last night, a lot of boxing media were very quick. Unhappy they were with his honesty in the sense that he didn't take it seriously. And I think the number of mandatories that are now going to come at AJ, we're going to see him vacating a title probably. And I think we're going to see a focus on getting on with other fights. Well, he, 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 like two guys came right away. I think it was a WBO said that he has to fight uh, Alexander Usyk. Yeah. And I don't know who said that he has to fight uh, Kubrat Pulev. Now, Pulev is a beaten Pulev ticket. Well. Yeah. You know, and Pulev is a beaten ticket. And I mean, nice guy and so on, but he's, he's not at that level. Um, That's it, it, the fight you take. You don't go anywhere near Alexander Usyk. You let him fight Derek Chisora and you put that on the back finger. Exactly, exactly. I mean, Usyk, Usyk could be a danger. Um... There was another, of course, an, an, a graduate of the Russian State Social University, Alexander Povetkin. Um, he, he fought yesterday mm. as well, drew with Michael Hunter. Um, I saw that fight. I, 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 I was torn whether it was a draw. And honestly, if it had, either one of them had won, I'd have said fair enough. Because I did think it was close. But as I, I saw it, I, I agree. I did think... Hunter, in one way, if I watched it one way, I didn't watch it again today, but I, I thought that, uh, watching it, I thought, Hunter has this. But then the other side, I'm going, well, if Pavetkin gets it, there's, there's no two ways about it. But Pavetkin's 40 years of age now. I mean, surely, like, he's... And in he's, remarkable physical shape. Well, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, there's questions to be asked. <laughs> well, I mean, then further down the card, further down the card, you had Dillian White, uh, who beat... Uh, mm. I, and I, Eric I th- Molina. And, and it was a full Dillian. card last night. Yeah, <laughs> I mean there was there was there was guys there that I mean Dillian White, of course, uh, it was released 
on Friday, I think it was, about oh, that uh, UCAD, the UK anti-doping, had yeah. safety said they'd, they'd passed. And now, you're going to speak with us because you, you, you know quite a bit of inside of this whole situation. Now, White beat um, Marius Vach, and I thought, like, Vach is, I think he's just a, a, he's a journeyman European fighter. He's not up to that much. And I was a bit disappointed with... With a drug history himself. Well, I mean, did, I mean, at this stage, who hasn't? I mean, I mean, Anthony Joshua. I, I know. Uh, Anthony Joshua looks like you know Chris Froome on steroids. You know, so I mean, I mean, that's that's how we're looking at. Like he's just a, a fatter Chris Froome, and without all the broken bones and lost blood. Um, but I mean, with Dillian White, can you tell us just a little bit of the background about it? Like, if you can sum it up in in one minute. In one minute, here I go. Um, in terms of Dillian the finding while the, he had obviously an adverse an- finding and he was charged with it the decision was made that the the level was so low that it wouldn't have warranted sanction but because the testing laboratories they're not testing to this is the standard for a ban they're testing full for 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 what's in the so system for argument's sake yeah. the substance for what, yes, so when that substance shows up, they're not saying, oh, this is actually below their initial finding. is It's there. We're charging you. There isn't the stop to go, is this below the level such that it would warrant a ban? Now, Dillian has a history from 2000 and I'm going to say 13. I could be corrected on that where he served a ban. You have to wonder whether it's that was for taking Jack 3D, which was an over the counter yeah. uh, supplement, but obviously banned in terms of the content of it. But he, you have to wonder what level it was at such that if he's still, if it's still showing in the system, could it be related to that? But ultimately, UCAD cleared him. Mm-hmm. And I think I heard a comment made today, which I actually think summarizes it very well, that in essence, by putting him on the card for this week, it forced the hand of UCAD, who had probably said, yes, we're coming with a statement. And then they had to go. And I forced their hand into actually publishing it. Which I think is a big thing. And I think I understand fully, and I, I know there are a lot of people who would say, why did UCAD not give us the science of it too? And I think the problem is because irrespective, clearly this was at a level such that if you give the science, you're basically saying we've found that he has been cleared to fight and now we're going to give science so people can try and attack from another angle. Whereas on some level, there is, um, for want of a better phrase, there's a mistake in the process somewhere. Now, UCADs clearly are entirely unfit for purpose. Well, I, mean, I can't li- emphasise enough how how badly wrong they are. And I think people saying, oh, this is the lawyer's fault, etc., etc. This falls firmly on UCAD, in my opinion. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this because, I mean, I know we will all, like, it's kind of like... Um, the, the, all these jokes about lawyers. I mean, you're a you're you're in the profession, legal profession. So, I mean, for me, it's very very unfair because um, if you look at what goes on and say, oh, there's this lawyer and they're the lawyers are basically looking to law and doing their job. But if I'm looking then at the other way, I mean, you have um, all the, like for example, tomorrow we had the, the announcement about the the Russian athletes. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Russia's going to, like they're not going to have their flag anthem, blah blah blah. Track and field not allowed. If you look at the last year, two years, three years, all the athletes in track and field being banned are either US or they're Kenyan. And it's amazing how some countries seem to just slip through. Exactly. I mean, and I mean, fair enough. They're not failing tests, but a lot of people don't fail tests. 
Russian athletes weren't failing tests a lot of the time because they were being fixed by the guy who's now over yeah. in, in hiding in America, Rochenkov. So it's, for me... Let's immediately go, not failing tests isn't necessarily... A sign of, of being clean. Tests may yeah. say that the... Te- that the it, yeah, it's a sign often that the system is failing. And exactly as you said, you can't the have failed. The fact that something showed on Dillian's test... It's actually, in a, in a strange way, Dillian's test showed something, which means he's at least being tested, so something is showing up. But by the same token, I, I don't want to see guys getting in the ring who have the potential to kill someone and be doping. I think Dillian was cleared. And I think, I, from my point of view, I look at it not like a civil case, not like that. I look at it like criminal action in the sense that if they've said someone did nothing wrong, the danger is if we continue to persecute like they did something wrong, then when someone actually does, we're kind of, you know, we're repeating the process unfairly on a person. He's, I, I, I don't doubt that the last four months were very tough on him. I think we look. Oh, I think have we dropped. Gives huge oh. publicity to mental health awareness. Well, did, did, Sorry. Yeah, so we're, we're 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 going out. We have to. We have to run right now. We could talk to you all evening about this because you you are, you you're one of the people who not just about boxing and legality, but also just the whole moral ethics behind sport as well. Which we're going to get you on. Look, I'll tell you what. Can you come back next week and have a chat again? I certainly can, of course, and. Sorry for my pro matchroom uh, stance there. Uh, so, I haven't taken off the cheerleader costume it's so, yet. Listen, listen. I used to train over matchroom over in Romford, so I'm perfectly on side as well. I, I have. I, I, I'm not biased against him, but I do see the, the, the work that uh, Barry, the dad, used to do. So, so thank you very, very much. And, have and a, he's going back to Saudi Arabia now uh, for with snooker, the snooker. Snooker. I, I know. Expect I, protests online. There you go. Listen. Thank you so much, Isolt. Have a great week. Have we'll speak to you next week. week. Thanks, Isolt. Okay, that is Isol Cody. We're going to go straight into the break right now with a song that is great for an advertisement. It's also great for just chilling out. So just sit back and relax right now for just a couple of minutes. I listen to one of the best songs. It's an oldie but a goldie. It's The Golden Age by the Asteroids Galaxy Tour. Back after the break. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
Начинай свой день с Capital FM и Dina Mild. Где бы ты ни был, даже в душе. Каждое утро на 105 и 3 FM. Снова с 7 утра. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to part five of our show this lovely Sunday evening. And Double N just got another shock off the boards as he was putting through the call. It's just, it's, it's, I, I, I can't even comment anymore because it's just a lot of fun. All right. Um, so uh, a quick update from North America. And of course, it is halftime now. Cleveland are leading 14-13 against Cincinnati. Uh, Buffalo are trailing 10-6 at home against Baltimore. Carolina are behind 13-10 against uh, Atlanta, Washington, they're fighting back. Uh, they are in the third quarter there, started the third quarter. They are on the, well, first and 10 on the Green Bay 25. They are 46 down, so they could get a, uh, something out of this anyway. Um, Denver whipping Houston 31. Uh, that's, oh, that's quite good actually. That is four touchdowns and a field goal. 31 3. And Detroit losing 17 10 against Minnesota. That's a great cracking match. If you, if you want to turn on and watch a good bit of football, the San Francisco 49ers are having a rock'em sock'em fight back against the New Orleans Saints, 28-27. Miami, they are tanking uh, 9-16 down against New York Jets. Indianapolis Colts, they are winning 27-21 against uh, Tampa Bay. And after midnight, a big, big game, the LA Chargers against Jacksonville Jaguars. That's coming up just after midnight. A little bit later, then you've got New England Patriots against the Kansas City Chiefs. And at the same time, kicking off then tomorrow morning, uh, Arizona Cardinals are hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, right. We're going to go to the phone right now, back out to Siberia, to beautiful and nighttime two men, and ask Andrew Flint. Andrew, what time is it right now with you? Andrew, can you hear us? Andrew Flint, are you there with us? Oh, hello. We're back again, yes. <laughs> You're having a cup of tea. You're having a, probably a double espresso to stay awake. And that's what I was asking you. What time is it there with you right now? Uh, quarter to one in the morning out here in lovely men. Quarter to one, so you're just two hours ahead of us. Well, listen, that's not. But look, we won't keep you up that much longer. Um, so, listen, we have a lot of we have a lot of talking points to to get through. I want to start off with something that we discussed with uh, Dimitri Durinas earlier on, and, and and we wanted to get a little bit into you as well. Um, the situation with the fan walkout, the fan, and, and with Danny Armstrong, as we discussed it, the fan walkout of uh, Russian uh, this this weekend. And Dimitri said it was very lucky that uh, now we have the winter break. So that there's no more like chances because it could get really really bad because the, the Dinamo fans who were le- left the stands um, in Zenit uh, up in St Petersburg on Friday night they couldn't leave the stadium they were going to leave the stadium but they said no you have to wait until the end of the game and then wait still so I mean that could cause some you know that that could be actually very very bad um, uh, so I mean. Was there a point to it, or should basically they just sort of like suck it up and try to be men instead of little boys? Uh, I understand the point they're trying to make. Um, I think both sides are coming out of this poorly, to be honest with you. And I think the point you make about it being good news that the winter break is coming along is, is, is very helpful for the authorities, certainly. I think the way that the police deal with fans could be a lot uh, a lot more intelligent, shall we say, just a bit more forward thinking. 
you, you know, when you come across fans who are clearly intent on violence, and we have seen examples of that, they should be dealt with very firmly. There's no two ways about it. But the way that they are now making all... Yes? ...approach to fans is just so unhelpful, and it's only going to make things worse. It's only going to incite things. So the fan walkouts, I think, are a reasonable reasonable process to draw attention. Um, but in the medium term, like you say, for the winter break, it'll be interesting to see how it happens in the spring. Um, I think it won't go away completely, but there will be a different tone to it. OK, look, if, if you look at it, I mean... <clears throat> there's been a long time when Russian fans and Spartak fans, let's just call, call a spade for a spade and, a, and, and a, an Egypt for an Egypt. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were discussing about the, the, <clears throat> the abuse that they gave the leader of the Russian team and one of the real men of Russian football, uh, Artyom Duba. The, the abuse that they mm. gave him in San Marino, the abuse that they were giving him and the, the horrific abuse they were giving him in the, in, in, in the stands. And... And you know, so uh, you know, then then they sort of get all uppity when they get like, okay, sorry, you can't bring knives to games, you can't bring boxing gloves to games, you have to like go in and just enjoy the game, you know, support your team, stop this nonsense. So, you know, should 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 fans be sort of standing beside these uh, individuals who have? you know, showing Russian football and, and Russian society in a very bad light, or should their fans be saying, no, sorry, like you know, you deserve what you get? Uh, I think it's a very tough decision, to be honest, because, um, you know, like I say, it's very easy to hide behind a banner, as in, we're all Spartak fans, we're brothers, but it's, like you say, there are fans who, who need to be dealt with, just simply because police are responding to behaviour which nobody can condone, you know, outright violence, and like you say, the, it's not just aggressive attitudes and words, but actual tools and weapons being brought along to match things. I don't understand how you can defend that. Um, but it's like like I said a moment ago, I do think there is... Yes? Police have dealt with it. Could have been a bit more sensible. That's the only, that's the only little caveat I would add to it. But like you say, I don't think we can say that football fans in Russia are whiter than white. They certainly are not. Okay, we'll move on from that right now because, again, uh, I I think you're right. I think that maybe it, there should be some sensitivity because, again, um, I've seen some of the stewarding and the policing when, you know, for example, like, you know, Dynamo Spartak game, there's more police than fans. So, I mean, it, it just sometimes it makes no sense. <clears throat> and the kind of the kind of aggressive fan policing, which we didn't see at the World Cup, by the way. And we, we, we saw, like, you know, proper policing. I mean, if you go to, to a match in Germany... The, the, usually the police are like twice the size of everyone there and they have weapons. You know, they have like machine guns. But everyone is just like happy smiling and anyone who acts the idiot is picked up upon by their own fans. So as Danny Armstrong said earlier on, like fans should be responsible for their fans instead of like leaving you off to the authorities. So maybe that's a way to go, Andrew. Maybe that the fans have to take yeah. responsibility and if someone starts making monkey chants, they should get a clip around the ear and basically say, listen, you shut your mouth or else we're going to, you know, deal with you. Hundred percent. I completely agree with that because that's where the emphasis needs to lie. Anybody who's dealt with any issues along these lines should really be aware that it's a social issue as well as a football issue. Um, and you know, the the peer pressure around you is the only way, realistically, that it will be this sort of behaviour will be completely stamped out. The one case I would like to mention on this topic, I remember going to a TSK Moscow game against Angie about four years ago, and. A banner was raised in the the ultras' end, 
making a, a very derogatory remark, a racist remark against uh, Dagestanis, and within 10 seconds, all the fans around them basically, not literally beat them up, but said they ripped down the flag. Well, that, that makes be sense. an idiot, and it yeah. was gone. Now, it's not problem solved, but it's positive. Listen, that, that's where it has to start, because, I mean, we know that, for example, rugby fans can be idiots. Yeah. Uh, Gaelic Games fans can be twits as well, but it is kind of controlled. Uh, it is controlled within it. And there, is, there should be that kind of culture of, like, kind of self-control within the group as well. So maybe the fans have to stop crying their hearts out, as Oasis would say, and they have to try and take a bit of responsibility to say, listen, yeah, we've been bad, so how do we fix it? And sort of start off from there. So, but again, like you said, it takes two to tango and the authorities have to help out as well. Um, Andrew, moving on very, very quickly, um, we're going to just really briefly mention the situation that's coming up tomorrow. Um, with the WADA decision, As uh, basically what we, we're taking the line... Uh, Russian athletes won't be wearing Russian badges, they won't be flying Russian flags, they won't be listening to Russian mm-hmm. anthems if they win gold medals next year. There will be very, very few, if any, uh, track and field athletes. Um, am, am I right in calling that? Or should we expect worse or maybe a little bit better? Uh, I, th- I think we are going to see an initial decision of, of Russia being banned from competition. And I think we'll see a similar situation, actually. Um uh, to what we've seen before, where Russian athletes will fly under a neutral banner. I find it interesting how um, uh, Yukada have released a statement saying, we want to take it further. What the One detail from the Compliance Review Committee recommendation that I find interesting is they have specified that innocent Russian athletes should be able to compete, um, whether it's under a neutral banner, which they recommend or not. But Yukada said, we want all Russian athletes banned. And I think that is just the wrong attitude. There will be huge international pressure for a stronger um, recommendation, but I think that I think we will see um, uh, an initial Russian ban. How how it will be maintained, or whether it will be appealed successfully or not. Well, it'll go to CAS anyway. Up for debate, yeah, it'll go to CAS exactly. Again, you saw that when you have like yeah. pa- paper tigers. I, I, I'd be certain it would. Yeah, when you have Paper Tiger there, Travis Tiger, when when all the corruption and the nonsense he's overseen and allows away with, including yeah. the Nike Origin, Origin product, and, you know, when he has zero control over young boys and girls doping themselves silly in high school in America and he does nothing about it, or he can't do anything about it, same in college, same everywhere. So, you know, he needs to sort of like go, hold on, let's root it out at home first and then let's get it done. Because remember, it was Don Catlin, the... Um, the doping expert from America who put them on to Rochenko at the start. So, you know, you need to clean up at home first. As Isol Cody said just a little while ago, you kind of the same. They're not fit for purpose. They need to clean up at home first. And of course, they're the ones sent in to clean up Russia. And again, Russia has ongoing problems. It hasn't just ended because, oh, well, like Rosadov cleaned up and Ganus is saying, oh, yeah, we're, we're doing our best. There are still problems here. Athletes are still going to band coaches. Still, you know... To compete at the highest level, they are getting onto things and taking things to try and stay there. They need to grow up and say, you know, let's put a, a, something. Be- we want, we want better, and we'll compete clean. We might not finish first, second, third. You might only be baby, baby breaking into the top ten, but at least I'm not going to die of a heart attack in five years' time. So anyway, that's my little rant, Andrew. Looking ahead now to the biggies for this week, of course, the Champions League, Europa League are back on final round of group games. Um, on okay, let's start with Zenit St. Petersburg. They are playing eleven o'clock on Tuesday away in lovely Portugal against Benfica. What do you reckon of that? 
Oh, I'll tell you what, it's going to be a huge, huge night, not just for Zanit, but for Russian football. Um, it's on a knife edge, isn't it, really? Um, Benfica started the group um, on pretty poor form. Um, and Zanit, as, as things stand, they've got to match Leon's result. Yeah. To RB Leipzig is, oof, you'd have to say Leon will be favourites to win that. So Zanit have basically got to get a result. I think they will. Uh, I think it's going to be a barnstorming evening because Zanit have got this is it. This is their last fixture for three months. They can go hell for leather. Um, and I actually would tip both teams to score, but Zanit to edge it. I think it's, I think it's going to be that that tense. Um, and okay. you get amazing odds for that. Really good value. Okay, so Zanit to win, but both teams to score. Okay, that's that is good. Um, of course, earlier on that day, you well, even here, this well, just before five to eight, you've got Red Bull Salzburg against Liverpool, Napoli against Genk. Okay, so uh, then. Inter Milan, Barcelona is another big cracker. Uh, Borussia should win against Slavia Prague. Those are at 8 o'clock. Other games uh, on in the evening. Then you've got Ajax, uh, Valencia and Chelsea, Lille. They are both at 11 o'clock Russian time. Um, on Wednesday, the one that, introduced, that interests all of us here in Moscow, um, it's not Bayern Munich and Tottenham Hotspur at 11 o'clock. It is not even Dinamo Zagreb, Manchester City, which you probably be watching. It is Atletico Madrid versus Lokomotiv Moscow, 11 o'clock our time here. What do you reckon? <laughs> I really want to be positive, but unfortunately, I just I just can't quite uh, I can't quite see a result coming here for for Lokomotiv Atletico. As we know, they're just absolute masters at closing out uh, closing out results that they need, and they they've got the pressure on to win as well. They're only one point ahead of um, Bayer Leverkusen, which I don't think many people would have foreseen at uh, you know two or three matches into the group stage. Um, so unfortunately, I want to be patriotic almost but I just don't see it happening Lokomotiv on dire dire form at the moment um, lost the last four in the Champions League so I see Atletico winning but they've only scored six goals in five games so I would recommend uh, Atletico win but under 2.5 goals OK that's fair enough and finally just another Moscow team before we go out uh, for the evening um, 11 o'clock on Thursday Espanyol at home to CSK Moscow so Moscow CSK they are really playing for uh, pride um, should they be hopeful of at least getting a draw down there and helping the Russian coefficient? I'd like to think so, but again, uh, I'm afraid my head is going to rule my heart on this one. I just don't see Tiska raising their game um, enough. I mean, Kitafe, again, are another very defensive side, even oh, more Kitafe, defensive sorry. than yes, Atletico. And they have been doing poorly uh, domestically, but in Europe, they are... Well, they're, they're a strong team in this group. I don't see a result coming here, unfortunately. And I think Tisco are going to bow out with a whimper. OK, and Krasnodar against Getafe as well. That kicks off at 5-8 to eight our time here. The same thing again. Like Krasnodar, they, they have a chance, but very, very slim, correct? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, it's it, the, odds are, the odds are against Krasnodar, aren't they, really? Um, Andrew? And so... Yep. It's, it's. I want to be. I want to be positive, but again, I, I, this season has been so disappointing for Russian teams. I think this game will follow suit as well, and Krasnov will struggle to get a result. I think. Okay, listen, Andrew. Thank you so much for that. Get to bed. Get your head down, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Looking forward to it next week. Guys. Okay. 
Okay, so Andrew, he will be like Danny Armstrong. He will be enjoying his week because of Manchester United's wins. Okay, we're going to go with, with a final song from an Irish group. So you can enjoy, if you have any Cernicky left, you can eat them right now with a cup of tea, a nice cup of, uh, well, whatever tea you want, Irish tea or Indian tea, whatever. Um, so again, the Russian football goes on in winter break tomorrow. Dinamo are home against Scott St. Petersburg in the KHL. 7.30, the first puck drops. So get along to that if you can. There are still a lot of tickets available, or not a lot. There are quite a few tickets available at 600 rubles. So you get a good view of the game. Okay, so I say thank you very much to all our guests, to Double N as well for superb work on the phones and for tweets as well. And uh, we'll go away. We'll be back next week. We have another bumper lineup for you next week and a lot of news to cover as well. So enjoy yourselves. And remember, if you have gifts for children in orphanages, bring them in here to the Nabaraj Tower here at our studio. We're still accepting until the end of this week. We're giving some from our side as well from Capital Sports, so you give yours as well. We're going to go out with the script and break even. Have a brilliant sports week and talk to you next Sunday, same time, same place. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.